Welcome to the Forest FM podcast, episode 149. I'm Killian Vigna. And I'm Zoe Bilal Springer. This week on the show, we're joined by Australia-based CEO of HairAid and US-based CEO of Salon 718 Salons coming together for the March 29th Global Cutathon. So grab yourself a cup of coffee, sit back, relax, and join us weekly for all your salon's business and marketing needs. When you go to these countries that are third world countries and you just see the level of poverty and it's beyond words, you know what I mean? And I guess you just have a different perspective when you come back. You really don't take as much as you have for granted. And it's easy for us to do it. I I woke up this morning, I made a cup of coffee, turned on the pipe, the water is there. The fact that people have to walk miles to get fresh water is just, it's insane, you know? And again, we don't know that because we're not seeing it every day, but to be in a community for five days and seeing this, like you just want to leave everything you had and just say, I'll go back home with nothing, you know, just to know that, it could really make a difference in people's lives. As hairdressers, we have the ability to touch and change lives every single day. But with Hair Aid, we have the ability to touch and change lives for generations. So for our listeners out there, you're probably thinking this is a bit of a, it's not your typical introduction to our Force FM episodes. And the reason being is because This episode, it's about coming together for a global initiative, as Zoe has just said in the introduction. And because of that, it's quite difficult to kind of, um, I suppose it's quite difficult to arrange recording time for four different locations across the globe. We're dealing with Dublin, Canada, Australia and the US here. So what we've done is we've kind of split this episode into two, three parts um, where I've gone off and interviewed Selena and then Zoe was here to interview Michaela. Yeah, and you were there as well with the Michaela segment, of course. But um, yeah, we're, we're really excited to talk about this initiative. It's been going on since 2013, but as you'll hear in the interview with Michaela, it's probably one of the best kept secrets still, and it should definitely get more awareness. So with that in mind, we're first going to have an interview, like Killian said, with Selena, then Michaela. But to set the tone for this episode, Selena is the founder and CEO of Hair Aid Inc. Uh, and it's an Australian-based charity that takes volunteer hairdressers to developing nations where they teach those living in critical poverty how to cut hair. So it's a really, really cool initiative. And in the past few years, anyways, it's been a lot more focused, I suppose, in Europe and Australia. And this is where Michaela comes into play because uh, she's leading it from the US front this year for the first time. And for anyone who doesn't know Michaela, she started her first salon in a studio in Brooklyn, New York. Now she's four locations strong. Uh, She's a forest client as well, so we know her very well. And uh, as you'll hear in the interview later, she's driven by her connection to her local community and her ability to grow her team through education and outreach. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Hope you get involved. If you have any comments, thoughts during uh, the time that you're listening to these two interviews, you can always uh, DM or uh, reach out to Hair Aid on social media on Instagram at Hair Aid Inc, all in one word. And without further ado, the recording of the interview with Selena and Killian for you. So I'm joined here by Selena Thomas Hitch, founder and CEO of Hair Aid Inc, an Australian-based charity that takes volunteer hairdressers to developing nations. Good morning and thanks for joining us on the show, Selena. 
Thank you for having me. It's wonderful. I'm calling in from Australia. So uh, hello to all the Australians listening, but also every, all to all the listeners. Nice to have you with us. We're getting this going global because that's what myself and Zoe were actually just mentioning earlier in the episode. So we've been in Canada. This would have been like her 2 a.m. So we actually had to do it with just me and you for this once off. It's a, it's a special episode. Perfect. I love being special. <laughs> so first things first then, let's, uh, let's set the context for people listening. Just before we actually go into what Hair Aid is and what it does, can you give us some background? So what, where did the origins of Hair Aid start? Where did the story begin? So interestingly, and this is not made up, but it started when myself and my husband, we were actually backpacking through Manila about 10 years ago and we called into a little tiny Australian pub because we were looking to watch the football and have a cold beer. And unfortunately for us, the football that we wanted to watch wasn't playing. But fortunately, two beautiful ladies walked in and I started a conversation with them. It it sounds like a bad joke, but these two ladies are actually nuns and they'd snuck into the pub to catch a beer and the football as well. And I got talking to them and I just heard the work that they did with with the children on the street. And one of, one of the nuns, um, her work was that she would go around and she would collect the, the street children that had been left by their parents and the parents had left them there in the hope that an NGO or an orphanage or a child adoption agency or a charity would pick their children up and give them a better life. But the reality was and still is that that doesn't happen and the drug runners and the prostitution gangs and the mafia, they they scour those streets and they collect those children and they take them and they harm them. They, they, they treat them very, very badly um, they maim them, they burn them, they throw acid on them, they starve them, they get young girls ready for prostitution, um, they sell their, their young children's bodies. Um, and, you know, when I heard this, you know, I have children yeah. and, you know, for me to even imagine that any one of my children would be put in that situation was too hard for me to imagine. So I said to them, how can I help, you know, how can we stop these parents leaving their children in the street? And they said the only way is to try and give them some skills so that they can create a business, a micro business. I don't know how many of our listeners have um, travelled, but in many of the Southeast Asian countries, you'll see many of the people have small street um, businesses they might sell baked goods or they might even have like a small welding business or they might have a little cart that they sell mangoes and bananas from. Well, we teach people five basic haircuts and we give them a very small toolkit and they can create a micro business. That means they can feed their children and they don't have to leave them on the street. And and we change lives. So, you know, I'm, I'm not a hairdresser. I need to say that straight up. But, um, you know, how I got to hair aid is through the love of beer and football and running into two undercover nuns. Um, so that's how it started. And a funny story that goes with that is the two nuns at the time, they told us they were nuns and Sister Kate, Sister Claudia, um, Sister Kate was Australian and she said to me, whatever you do, Selena, don't tell anyone we're in the pub. And... <laughs> uh, and of course, I've told the world, and, and they do know that, and I do catch up with them from time to time when I'm back in Manila. It adds to the story. Um, it does. Two nuns walk into a bar, and now I do hair aid. So, 
But, you know, I think it really the origins of Hair Aid was just me saying, how can I help? And when they said that we needed to teach these parents a small skill and that's what we do, and now 10 years later we've trained more than 5,000 people. Wow. We work with government and Congress around the world now in four different developing countries and work with women that have been rescued from the sex trade, older children that were, you know, are older orphans and, and I get kicked out of the orphanage and become street kids or street adults. Um, we work with deaf people. We bring translators in and we teach them. You know, we work with, with people that are living in critical need and it's life-changing. The work we do changes their life instantly. In five days, five basic haircuts, a small toolkit, and their life has changed, and it's it's, a, it's an amazing adventure that I'm on. You've actually just self-confessed, like, had you not have said it, I would have assumed that your background was in hairdressing, the reason that this is the skill you teach them. Why is it hairdressing and not anything else? Like, surely you would have had other backgrounds you could have taught. Well, it's lucky that the listeners can't see me because otherwise they'd just look at me and know I'm not a hairdresser from the state <laughs> of my hair. Um, but I'm actually a nerdy academic. I teach business at university and I've done that for 20 plus years. Um, my background is business and entrepreneurship and, and building brands. But in a previous life, I was an interior decorator. And when I first ran into Sister Kate and Sister Claudia, I'd said to them, what sort of skill would you like you know, works for them. What, what skill can they learn and turn into an income? And they'd said to me, sewing. If they can sew products, they can sell it in the market. And, of course, being an interior decorator, I'd worked with fabrics for many years. I used to run my own soft furnishings business. I had seamstresses. I know how to run machines. I can sew. Um, and for me, that was just an easy start. So Hair Aid actually started with sewing. And we did that for two years. And then I just could see this, this huge need that was there. And when I reflect back on teaching sewing and setting up sewing centres, we were asking people who were so desperately poor that they couldn't feed their own children, but they had to find money to get on a jeepney to come to the sewing centre to buy some fabric to sew a product to get back to market to sell the product to make some money to buy food for their children. It, it wasn't a good case scenario. It, it works for some people, but the majority, it doesn't. And I said to the, the nuns, Sister Kate and Sister Claudia, and also Brother Luke by that stage that we'd met, and I said, what else, what else do they need? And they said, hair cutting. Now, this is an incredible part of the story. I'm not a hairdresser. And so when they said hair cutting, I just went, oh, okay. But then they explained to me that it's illegal for young children to go to school unless they have a regulation haircut. Now, I'm an educator and, and I, I don't care whether you go to university or you get a trade or, or you work in the local coffee shop or um, you, you do aged care or you're a painter, a builder, a baker, whatever you are, so long as you're happy, that's, that's great. But when they, when they were saying that children couldn't go to school if they didn't have regulation haircuts. Not just that, but it's against the law over there. So I want you to imagine you're a family and you've got five or six children, which they do over there, and you've got 
just enough money to buy rice and vegetables to make a broth or you have to go and get your son's hair cut to keep him in school. You know what they choose? The haircut. Because they know education is the way of the future. So we've got people over there starving because they have to pay for a haircut and they don't buy food. So the haircutting, once I once I heard that, I was just, well, I was appalled. I think it's the greatest barrier to education, having to have your haircut. So if your hair grows, you can't go to school. Then the poorest people in the community, they can't afford it. So many of our, our trainees, they might not actually start a business, but what they'll do is they'll cut the hair of the kids in the community and they'll barter for food or they'll exchange their services, you know, in a different way. They won't start a business, but they'll keep even cutting their own children's hair and keeping them in school and meaning that the small amount of money they have can go to food or fresh water or medical help. Um, you know, it's it's life changing. It's it's incredible. And um, when they when they said that to me, I went right. Well, I've got to go and find some hairdressers because I can't cut hair. Yeah. And so I did. I came back to Australia and I put a very small piece in the local newspaper, and I said, "Does anybody want to help me?" And ten years later. Wow, just wow. I have got so many hairy friends around the world now um, <laughs> and the, the passion that they have for their craft and the way that they constantly give back. We have volunteers that come to our international projects for a week at a time. They give up their own life and often give up their own pay for the week. They fundraise to pay for their costs because we are a pure charity. We, we don't have any funding from government, um, so everyone pays their own way. And they go there and they give and, and they share their skills and they change people's lives. You, you know, two or three hairdressers in one location might train 40 people in a week, basic haircuts. That's 40 families whose lives have changed through the passion and care of hairdressers. So, yeah. I actually can't believe that. Like when I initially kind of was going through the brief of this and I knew that, all right, it was hairdressing was the skill. Your instant reaction is just because that's a skill that they can use as a trade, they can earn money, but not that it, it was basically a requirement for them to get their kids into school. Like the school I went to, you had to keep your uniform and good work in order and no piercings. But like your hair, you could have long hair, short hair, skint hair. You could have any hairstyle you wanted. So the fact that this was a requirement to get an education is just so hard to comprehend. And it still is the law over there. It still is. You know, I I work really closely with government and Congress over there, and, and I'm very thankful for their support. But in the last couple of years, I've been I've been saying to them, this is not a fair law, um, and perhaps we need to look at it. Um, you know, I don't want to go and change anyone's culture or um, opinions, but it's really hard when you know that, it, it, to me, it's incomprehensible. If your hair grows and your parents can't afford it, you can't go to school. Yeah. Uh, it, it, beyond me. But in saying that, we've, we're creating an army over there in all the countries that we work in, and it's not just the skills that we teach them in those five days. But we are developing our trainees over there, getting them to become community heroes. 
And they go out and they do community haircuts in uh, locations that are desperately poor. They're beyond desperately poor. They're, their children are dying at their feet. It's it's terrible. So last week or the week before, I beg your pardon, there was a volcanic eruption. We were actually there in Manila when it happened, but we were all nice and safe, so that's good. But our community heroes went to that location and they cut in um, eight hours, they cut 269 haircuts. Wow. Wow, you know. <laughs> so it's, it's That's like back to back constantly. So, yeah. Um, but, you know, we've got teams out there and they're going to communities and the community members are saying, well, if they learnt that, can we learn it? Um, so I'm, I'm super excited because we've got this really great fundraiser coming up. It's our one and only global um, fundraiser that we do once a year. It's our main way of paying for everything that we need to do, like insurances and logistics costs and haul hires and translator fees and all of that sort of stuff. Um, last year we ran it for the first time and we raised enough money to start the very first free training school in Quezon City in Manila. So we're hoping to have that up and running by June this year. And what that means for the people is they come and do our five-day training, but when we leave, there's a place that they can go that they know we'll come back to in six months, but it's managed by local community trainees that have been trained by our teams and it's free. They go and they learn and they practice their skills and it's free and it's welcoming and it's a safe space and the government and Congress are helping us with this. Um, we hope to set up at least four in the next year um, and this is going to be a framework for changing these communities and, you know, hair is definitely a skill that's there but manicure and pedicure, we're starting to introduce that and that's a skill that's highly transferable and really useful for people to learn because again the toolkit's nice and small they can move from province to province and you know they can earn some good money so the fundraiser that's your global cut-a-ton right am i right in saying that you're actually you're doing it again this year but you're going for a guinness world record this year yeah, going for a Guinness World Record. Um, you know, I don't like doing anything by halves. If you know you're going to do something, you may as well do it big, right? Yeah, big hairy audacious goal. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I'm good with all that. So you know, uh, Aveda actually set this record um, a number of years ago, and congratulations to them. They did a great job with it. Um, I could have, I could have created my own world record title and lodged it, but I thought, no, Aveda did a great job. Um, and so they've created a, a world record called the most money raised by haircuts in a 24-hour period. So it's very specific criteria, um, which means around the world we kick it off at 10 o'clock in Australia time. And so we've got all these different time zones around the world and um, you can join in for half an hour or an hour or five hours. Nobody has to cut hair for 24 hours, just in case anyone was wondering. Um, but, yeah, our goal is to get 300 salons. And, you know, together the power of the industry, um, you know, what we'll raise will go immediately to building these training centres and the projects that we do. Um, hair Aid is – it's 
you know, we don't have an office. It's run out of my kitchen table with a, with a wonderful bunch of volunteers. We don't have head offices. We don't have fancy cars. We have one computer and a, and a, and a coffee pot that we've borrowed from somewhere. Um, and I can tell you a lot of coffee comes out of that coffee pot. <laughs> um, you know, we're just a bunch of really passionate volunteers that want to do good. So every single cent goes to the projects and goes to creating these training centres. Um, and we're also starting in September this year, one of our training centres in Indonesia will be built inside the notorious Bali jail. That's some transition, so, isn't it? I know. Well, last year we were invited to train um, the prisoners in the jail and um, I, I got to speak to the director of the prisons, um, Ibu Lily, who's a, who's a wonderful leader and, and wants the best for the women that are there. And a lot of the women are in jail because they've been arrested for prostitution or drug selling or they've stolen something to sell. Now, I've been in Indonesia and I've, I've been around where these women tr try and create a living and a life but I can tell you that the only reason they've been arrested for prostitution or selling drugs or something they've stolen is because it's the only way they can feed their children. And unfortunately, no disrespect to any any male at all, but it's not the men that get arrested. If there's a prostitution um, arrest, it's the women that get arrested. They get put in jail. Now, if they've got two or three children waiting for them at home, their mum is just arrested and put in jail. No one checks on the children. That's how we get street children. Um, that mother, that lady might be in jail for anywhere between three and four years, five, and, that, and they sit there. And they don't know when she's coming back. But, well, they don't know. But when the woman gets out, what do they do? How do they live? They go back to prostitution or selling drugs or stealing. But we taught 30 women how to cut hair, and I'm telling you, they are all rocking haircuts in that jail right now. <laughs> um, and working with Ibu Lily, the director of the prisons over there, um, she, she just told me how it had been her life dream that someone would come along and find a skill for these ladies. So we're going back and we will be building a permanent training salon. So these women will constantly get some training, and when they leave, they've got a skill set and that's going to change their lives. We're also going to start working in the men's prison um, and, um, yeah, starting a barbering course in there. So the money raised from the Global Catathon, that's what it goes to, outfitting these training centres and, and changing people's lives. Well, it seems like an unbelievable cause. So for my last question, I'm going to get you to really, really push this because I think our listeners out there, we can definitely get more than 300 salons. We have to be able to get more than 300 salons to sign up to this and help you reach that goal, reach that target and continue your really good work. So how do I get involved with the Global Cutathon? If I'm a salon or even if I'm a staff member in a salon, how do I get involved? Do I reach out to you? Do I go online? What are the details here? Right. So we are the one and only Hair Aid in the world. So if you Google Hair Aid, you're going to find our webpage. So it's www.hairaid.org.au. We've got a campaign there, the Global Cutathon. You can sign up. And I will also say with the recent bushfires in Australia, 
as many of you would have heard, we've had some devastating times here. And a lot of our Australian hairdressers have dedicated the last couple of months to raising funds to helping the Faris. So we're actually going to be a bit low on Australian hairdressers. So I would love a lot more help from overseas. And um, I've got a, I've got a bit of a campaign going with my friend Tabitha Coffey, actually. We won't tell her I've said this online, but... Um, I've challenged her to get 100 USA salons signed up. Um, so I'm going to challenge listeners here, and I, and I know that I'd love more than 300, but you know what? I want 100 of you guys. I want 100 of you signed up. Click the link, put your name down. We're going to send you some online resources, all the digital assets already done. We're going to send you an action plan of what to do. I'm going to be at the end of an email because I answer every email for Hair Aid. Um, so if you need a hand, I'm here to help you. But I'd love to just bring everyone together and really help us hit this target because I want to set up these training centres. I want to change more people's lives. We've only trained 5,000 Let's make it 50. Absolutely. And just after this interview with you, we'll be interviewing Michaela Blissett-Williams from Salon 718 over in Brooklyn because she's after getting involved and we're going to hear from a salon owner's perspective why she's so eager to get involved in Hair Aid with you. So finally, is there any hashtags or anything like that that we can follow online to keep up to date on all of this? Absolutely. So Global Catathon, Hair Aid, and the famous hashtag, changing the world one haircut at a time. I love it. Brilliant. Yeah. Listen, Selena, thanks so much for joining us on the show. And I really hope you hit that target of 300. I hope you exceed that target of 300 salons, may I Thank say. Thank you. And you know what? If we don't this year, guess what? I'll be back next year to do it all again too. Bigger and better. It's been a pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks so much. Thank you very much. And thanks everyone for listening. I appreciate your time. So now we're joined with Michaela Blissett-Williams, CEO of Salon 718 Salons. And as you've heard before uh, with Selena's interview, we've we've dug into a little bit more of what Hair Aid is all about and when the global cutathon is taking place. What we want to know with this interview in particular is how salons can get involved, how salons who are actually already involved are doing it. And so no better person to speak about that than Michaela herself. Welcome to the show, Michaela. It's good to have you on. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Michaela, um, how did you come across Hair Aid Global Cutathon? Because, well, like you're, you're a good distance away from Australia, I think it's fair to say. So how did this come onto your radar? So we had a client that was um, getting his son's haircut and he happens to be a photographer. And in chatting with him, he was a Naha photographer. His name is Joseph Cartwright. And he said he would love us to grab a cup of coffee and just tell me some stuff that he's involved with. And that's how I found out about Hair Aid. I was just fascinated that there was this organization that was actually empowering women on the other side of the world and changing their lives. So I found that quite interesting, um, the travel aspect. And I think that a lot of times we get caught up on what's happening where we are and we don't realize the challenges that other people are having in other areas. And just between the sex trafficking and the lack of money and these people who had an opportunity to learn a skill, that could really change not only their life, but generations to come through their children. So it's fair to say this literally kind of came out of nowhere for you. You weren't actively looking for a charity or organization to get involved. It all came about through a haircut. 
Well, you know, we we are very community based over here in Brooklyn and part of our um, mission statement is community. So we get involved in quite a few things, but for 2020, we wanted to really focus on just one organization and we chose to do that with Hair Aid. Um, just as hairdressers, we really understand the power of touch, but what is that like when you have the power of touch and the power of education that could actually change the trajectory of someone that's 3000 miles away? Yeah. Uh, out of curiosity, you know, taking part, you, you mentioned the travel uh, there. And and of course, we've touched upon that with Selena earlier. You're sending staff over. What are the benefits, I suppose, of taking part for your business? Is it just the community aspect? Because obviously you're going to have to to fix up the roster, I suppose, during that time. Yeah, of course. So I think that, you know, with the cut-a-thon and sponsorship, you know, the salon itself will make a contribution to anyone going, but the hairdresser themselves also will have to make a financial contribution, which happens to be a tax write-off, anyone in the States. So it's a great way to travel, feel good, and know that you're getting a tax break at the end of the day. Not that that's the reason you're doing it, but it's a good benefit. Um, the cost is probably going to cost them airfare, everything in about $3,000. But what they're going to do is, again, feel so good and empowering. So even if I have to change the roster for a week or two, just imagine what that experience is going to be like for our guests coming in and hearing the story. That to me is priceless. Like it's, it's worth not having a hairdresser behind the chair to have the outcome that it's bigger than just the dollars at the end of the day when they return from these missions. Do you plan on doing anything special when they return or maybe like sharing an, a, a night of, and I'm assuming there's going to be pictures, probably video content and all that. Are you going to share that with your community? So what we're really hoping to do is when we go there, we're going to go live and just do a little bit of a, um, Instagram story every single day throughout of our, our journey. And then we're probably going to also have links back to the organization that people can donate and just bring awareness within our community that it's there to get more hairdressers involved. I mean, my personal goal for Hair Aid is by 2021, we have at least 150 hairdressers from the U.S. going on their missions. And we're ready to be that spokesperson for them and kind of let people know and go out there and spread the word of the great work that they're doing. We know that there are phenomenal hairdressers in the U.S. that are doing it already, and we commend them for what they've done. But we really want to step up our game now for the next couple of years to make sure that it gets the visibility that it deserves and we can really change more people. The more hairdressers that go, the more people they can train. So we just need to let everyone know that this great organization exists and try and get everyone involved. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to go, but making a donation for one of the stylists to go is just as important. So if you are a salon owner or a hairdresser who works in a big salon, maybe your cut-a-thon dollars can go towards donating it to one of your stylists to go. If you can't afford the whole $3,000, then maybe you can send $500 in. Um, Joseph and I have been talking really closely as well as offering some classes. The fact that he's a Naha uh, photographer, maybe we'll do a class and the proceeds of the class will go towards hair aid. So it will be a win-win for hairdressers to be live and upfront with a photographer who has one Naha and the cost of the class, again, will help sponsor someone to go to uh, hear aid. When it comes to making that decision of who to send over, because 
you're not just one salon. You've you've a few branches at this stage. Which how many staff in total do you have? We're about 32 staff in total across all six salons. We have boutique salons in Brooklyn. So they're not bigger than about 700 square feet each location. But you're right, you know, moving one or two people still can be um, challenging, um, you know, for scheduling. Yeah, what I'd like to actually know is if I was working in a salon and my employer kind of put this forward, without doubt, I would imagine everyone in the salon is going to want to be the person that goes over to do this. So how do you make that decision of which of your staff gets to go? So Hair Aid makes it easy because they do about four missions a year. So not everyone has to go to the same mission. So we can divide it up depending on the time of the year. So we would probably cap it at no more than two people going at a time. Um, you know, everyone wants to go, but then when they have to make the commitment to the money, it's a different story. So usually we'll have a sign-up sheet and then, you know, we help them with managing and budgeting for it. So sometimes we'll collect the money for them so that when they have to do the final payment, it doesn't feel like a huge amount for them. Um, and there's usually a little bit of attrition when that happens. Um, but when I look at people and I say, who's going to be the great best person to go for this. I usually look for people who are very compassionate, who are very open, who are not closed-minded and very giving. Um, and that's usually the person who wants to come. So it's not like, I've never had someone who doesn't have those traits want to come. So it's been easy to make sure that we get the right people to go to the uh, events. How has been the reaction from your staff? Because obviously this is close to your heart, but when you announced it, how did the staff react in, in your various locations? They were super excited. I think like 20 people came up to me and said, yes, I want to go. I want to go. <laughs> you know, um, as a salon, we also have, um, we, we have an educational fund and I've allowed them to use the money this year towards the educational fund. So that will kind of help offset some of the costs. Um, you know, these missions fill up very, very quickly. So I think right now there are only two that are open for the rest of the year. So again, that will kind of limit us on how many people we can we can send, but it's going to become contagious. Like even if one person is representing Salon 718, it, we, we will be there. And that one person might be there physically, but I know the whole team will rally and kind of get that social media going and the exposure going as well. So um, there is super excitement on it on our end and our stylists are really looking to see what the next steps are after the cutathon and you know getting ready to kind of plan what that's going to look like for them i think the one that we're looking to go to is the end of the summer beginning of the summer so um we're excited have you noticed any i suppose you know the way you'd kind of have people they'd go off maybe travel for a few months and they tend to come back a different character have you noticed any change in your staff after returning from these missions or from doing the from volunteering so we haven't done a mission yet. This will be our first year doing a mission. So we haven't actually gone, but I'm very big on education and travel for my staff. Um, one of the requirements I have is that everyone has to get a passport when they work with me. I think exposure to different cultures is huge. Um, we've sent staff to the forest event in Ireland. We go to the international show in London probably every year. Um, it's nothing for them to jump on a plane and take a class in California. I just think, again, exposure is huge, right? You cannot really understand what someone's culture is 
fully unless you are there and you can see it on a day-to-day basis. And I just think it, travel is a gift that gives you such a great perspective on life. And even if they're not doing it through the salon, it's just important for your self-development to travel. I just think it just makes you such a more rounded person that it will definitely, again, your, your clients will feel that. The conversations don't become so frivolous with your guests. Your guests are traveling as well, and it kind of levels the playing field on who you are as a person. It, it deepens your connection with your guests as well. And this business is really a connection business, right? Like the people who connect the most with their guests are the ones who have the retention. So it just is another gift that you're giving yourself that will also benefit you in your career. So in saying that, do you have anything in place then for the staff that do get to travel that when they come back, is there anything in place that allows them to share what they've experienced from that trip? Yep. So we have a debriefing. So when we go to London, we come back and we just kind of debrief on what we did. And we try to do that within a 48 hour time period because everything is fresh during that time. Um, But numbers speaks volumes, right? So when you do this, if you send more than one person, there are different perspectives on it. And it's more meaningful when you're bringing the message back to the salon. So When we go to London, there's usually five or six of us that are going. If they're going to do a class, there's a a minimum of three because it's three different perspectives. And it's also, oh, yeah, I remember that. Or, oh, yeah, you know, it just ignites what they had. And the best way to retain information is to teach. So when they come back and teach it to the staff, they actually own the skill sets that they learned when they were away. Yeah, it totally makes sense. What would you recommend salons in the US get done or set up in order to take part? Because obviously you're well prepared for this and you have loads of things in place, but I'm assuming it's not the same thing in every salon. So, you know, again, social media is great. The internet is great. I know that um, here it has a Facebook page. I would just go on the Facebook page and ask as many questions as you can. They're really good at responding. Um, And just start using that as a hashtag, hair tag, hair aid, just to um, bring awareness to it. A lot of people don't even know it exists and it's probably the best kept secret right now, which we want to expose. Absolutely. Well, listen, Michaela, thank you so much for being on the show with us today. If anybody wants to connect with you, they can do so through Instagram and your handle is at Salon718, correct? Correct. Well, thank you so much for being on the show with us again. Thanks, guys. Thanks again. Have a great one. Thinking of switching salon software companies, but fear the migration process? How long will it take? What happens to my staff and clients details or my roster? Look, when you sign up for Forest Salon Software, it's our mission to transfer your data from your previous provider smoothly and safely onto your new one, us. Manage, market, and grow your business with Forest Salon Software. Visit forest.com for more details. So the first thing we have on the Inside Forest segment are client webinars. We're launching a new series of client webinars that will take place each and every week. So 
before when we first started doing them we were doing one a week now we're actually moving into two a week an email will go out to all clients with a link to the upcoming webinars and you can choose to register for any of the ones coming up that month for now the first one we have on the schedule is the forest education build client loyalty with forest so join our build client loyalty webinar where we discuss how to get the happiest loyal client through exceptional customer service this webinar is to educate yourself on simple ways to get clients returning again and again through small steps of exceptional service and appreciation. Things we're going to cover in this webinar is what is loyalty, exceptional customer service, treat cards, referrals, reviews and reputation. This webinar will take place on February the 11th, 2020 at 4.30pm GMT, that's Irish time, 11.30am Eastern time and 8.30am Pacific time. The second webinar we have taken place then is Forest Education, Why Your Regulars Leave and How to Stop Them. The topics we're going to discuss here are why clients leave you, how to get them back once they're gone, getting your team to champion client retention and finally tracking your numbers. That webinar will take place on February the 13th, 2020 at 4.30pm GMT Irish time, 11.30am Eastern time and 8.30am Pacific time. If you have any queries with regards to signing up to these webinars, please email training at forest.com. And again, these are client only webinars. So now that Killian has covered the client webinars, I suppose you're wondering when we're going to get back to the non-client webinars and this is happening soon. We'll have a list for you in the coming uh, weeks. Uh, but in the meantime, if you've been to the Salon Owners Summit 2020 or if you are a forest client and were not at this year's event, you can already register your interest for the 2021 event. And uh, there's a few details that are coming out real soon. So keep an eye out on social media for that. Uh, if you want to register your interest, like I said, you can always send us an email at forestfm at forest.com and we'll put you in touch with the right people in Forest and uh, as, as well if you'd prefer social media you can reach out to Paige on uh, the various platforms we're on so that includes Facebook uh, the Let's Grow Facebook group um, Instagram or Twitter all of those uh, and LinkedIn if you're on LinkedIn and just as a final note we have been rolling Forest Academy out into beta test salon groups so if anyone wants to get access to Forest Academy directly within their forest system, don't hesitate to email forestacademy at forest.com and we can get you set up. And well, that's all we got for this week, guys. And like we were saying last week, we're getting loads and loads of really good feedback from you guys on the show. And your feedback is one of the most valuable things we can have uh, to work with. We really want to bring the most value to your week with these episodes. So if you have any suggestions at all or want to share your thoughts on this episode, or on the show all together we strongly encourage you to leave us a review on Apple Podcast we read every single one of them and we genuinely love and appreciate your time doing so otherwise have a wonderful week and we'll catch you next Monday all the best this episode was edited and mixed by Audio Z Great music makes great moments. Montreal's cutting-edge post-production studio for creative minds looking to have their vision professionally produced and mixed. Forest FM, the Salon Owners podcast, is brought to you by Forest Salon Software. We help salon owners get their clients back in more often, spending more, and generating referrals. Let's grow.